Radio is considered a leading medium of communications due to several factors. Its widespread reach, low cost of access and ease of use. The Kenyan radio landscape is a testament to that, with Kenya now boasting 192 commercial and community FM radios. World Radio Day is celebrated annually on February the 13th. It's an opportunity to reflect on the impact of radio as a medium of communication and to encourage dialogue about the role of radio in our lives. This year's theme is Radio and Peace, and it speaks to the role radio plays and can play in conflict. On the Safaricom Newsroom podcast today, we have radio veterans Christine Goko and Lincoln Jogu. Christine is the Assistant Director at Media Council of Kenya. She's a seasoned journalist with over 25 years of experience, which include founding a community radio station by 2FM. Lincoln is the Deputy Managing Editor of Radio at Royal Media Services. He oversees 14 radio stations, the majority of which broadcast in vernacular across the country. And lastly, joining me as a co-host today is John Girashu, Head of Content at Oxygen and formerly Parliamentary Editor at The Daily Nation. I'd like to post my first question to you, Christine. Obviously, with your many years and having established your own community radio station by 2FM, we would want to know how did you do it and what was your motivation behind establishing a community radio station? In 2004, I had already worked for television as a journalist, uh, a news presenter for 14 years. And um, there was an incident of uh, drought in our country, very serious drought. And uh, we needed a lot of uh, food donations, local and international, distributed to communities that were going through hardship finding food. I come from a community that is in the arid and semi-arid areas. And so they were among the people that were receiving some of these really food donations. And uh, I went out there to cover a story for the TV station. When I got there, uh, one of the places uh, there was an outbreak of uh, aflatoxin poisoning from the relief food. And so uh, I went into the hospital to have a look at, you know, the story around the patients, the treatment, what the community knows and so on and so forth. And then the doctor who was in there said to me, look, before we do the interview, can I ask you to go and have a conversation with the community? Because you come from the community, you speak the local language. And he said, I need you to explain to them about storage of the relief food once they receive it. Uh, and when they see the symptoms of aflatoxin poisoning, uh, what they need to do. So for me, that was a trigger. I said, I'm going back to my station. I will give out information about aflatoxin poisoning. It will be in English and at best in Kiswahili. But my community, half of them will not have understood anything. Uh, so when I got back to the station after doing the translation for the local community and the people who are in the hospital at the time, I now felt I need to do something because my community misses out on important information, on uh, making decisions from information that they have heard because it is not in a language they can easily understand. So my mind started racing, how can I get this done? So I realized that there was opportunity for me to start a radio station that speaks in the local language of my community. Hence, 
by 2FM. That's excellent to hear. Um, it also showcases how the importance of radio in community as well as widespread in spreading information that is pertinent to that community itself. So now under this year's theme of radio and peace, um, we want to know uh, through your experience at By2FM and even what you do currently, what have been the experiences dealing with events that are required for peace building? And in your current work, what, what do you make of this radio and peace building tool? By2FM being a, a local language uh, FM station does uh, stories, information about the local community of the Kamba community. However, uh, we have other programs which may once in a while speak in the national language, Kiswahili. And so they're able to spread information, share um, content uh, about a national issue or even a community issue which can now be cast um, nationally and sometimes even globally. Uh, it, with regard to peace, the station did not quite have to deal with uh, peace in the community. A uh, few times we've had, uh, you know, inter-community um, disagreements over issues of pasture because we border a community that is uh, very uh, aggressive in terms of uh, rearing uh, animals, uh, the Maasai community. And a few times, you know, they will have differences because when there is lack of pasture in the wild, they will come towards the areas where people have settled. And that will mean that they will have the animals, you know, grazing on the farms. So there will be some disagreements there. That's not very big. However, uh, at a national level, uh, when we have uh, incidences of uh, major conflicts, uh, perhaps even um, political conflicts, the station is able to come in and actually discuss issues of how can we agree on maintaining peace, living together as one community of Kenyans, but holding different political perspectives. Because remember, they also have political leaders, they have um, affiliations to political parties, and the community is uh, diverse uh, like that. And that being uh, uh, the situation in a country, if, say, one political party is uh, in big conflict with another political party, there will be members from the Kamba community who belong to the two, uh, two political parties. Therefore, they do carry uh, peace messages, uh, messages of coexistence, cohesion, despite uh, having different uh, affiliations. In the current work that you do um, at the Media Council of Kenya, and also as a lecturer, what is your take on radio and peace? and as radio as itself as a tool in, in building peace? Radio is a, a critical tool for peace building because of the nature of people it reaches. Uh, you know, radio, I would say, is almost like the internet. It makes us equal. When you listen to radio, it doesn't matter what position you hold in society. You have heard the message and it is from a radio. So it can go from the highest, who are the policy makers, the top leadership, all the way to the lowest, who is just a community regular uh, citizen at the grassroots level. And whatever their thoughts are, if they are collected, put on that one equal platform called radio, 
then there is a good uh, exchange on uh, matters peace on matters of uh, living together coexisting together and so i feel like radio plays a really can play a really central role in pushing the peace agenda not just um, in communities in countries but also you know at a global level uh, perhaps we could get uh, models from other countries by listening to radio stations in other countries remember the frequencies are out there and now we have the internet which has now made it possible for me to listen to a station which is, uh, I don't know, in West Africa. And hear how they discuss the question of peace. Hear how uh, a station in South Africa discusses the question of peace. Hear how um, a station in Europe discusses peace without necessarily having that uh, limitation or that, that I can't reach that frequency and so on. So because of where technology is taking us, and radio, the model of uh, broadcasting radio is going, uh, the two being converged and merging is actually making uh, the message of peace become a global message. Um, and radio being the global tool that can push the agenda for peace in whatever language, in whatever space, um, in whichever community. I'm happy you actually pointed out that we are entering a digital space. We'll touch more about that a bit later, but first I would like to get uh, Lincoln's perspective also. From your experience of handling array of radio stations, where has the role been in building peace and settling inter-conflict com co conflicts in communities? First of all, uh, if you look at uh, Royal Media Services, where I work, where I'm the Deputy Managing Editor, the setup for the radio newsroom. Um, we have 12 vernacular radio stations. Um, one Kiswahili uh, station based in Mombasa, that's the Harry FM, and then one um, uh, national radio station, that's the Radio Citizen. We are all in one newsroom. Uh, the setup itself gives us a platform to talk to each other uh, and uh, communicate better. Uh, as opposed to where maybe a station that is that, that speaks to people in Nyanza is based in Kisumu, another one is based in uh, uh, Kitui, another one in Mary. We are all in one newsroom. The command is the same, it's one. We have one man managing editor, then we have the deputy editor, then we have several editors, and also in both individual uh, vernacular stations, we have heads of desks. So it's very easy for us to communicate to each other. If there's an issue that is happening in, um, let's say, Nyeri, um, we can make one decision and say, we'll have that story on there this way, as opposed to where a decision would be made elsewhere. That chain of, of command makes it easy for us um, to communicate to each other. Number two, um, we have uh, a policy, a company policy, for instance. If there are conflicts, um, let's say in Nakuru, where maybe the Maasai's and the Kikuyus are fighting each other, we have a policy as a company or as a media house, not to mention those particular tribes by name. Say, uh, several Maasai's have been killed by Kikuyus because that definitely will lead to uh, revenge and stuff like that. Um, We've also made a deliberate attempt to talk to the audience one-on-one. -on -one. We go to them, we organize programs, 
where Mwananchi is, call them in a sitting, talk to them. We carry out civic education one-on-one -on -one with our news readers, with our uh, constituent presenters, and teach them the need for coexistence, the need for uh, peaceful elections, for instance, such like uh, initiatives, so that we contribute to um, cohesion and, and, and peace in Kenya. And also, we make it um, a deliberate attempt to get all the uh, uh, leaders in our studios with some kind of a balance. Um, so where if we have people from the opposition and uh, leaders from the, um, the, the sitting uh, or the current the, the, the uh, ruling party, we have the two people, we have the two leaders interviewed in one sitting across uh, all our media houses so that we don't, we're not seen to be uh, siding with, with one side of the uh, political arrangement or so. Whenever we think of uh, radio and conflict in Kenya, we go back to 2008 and the post-election violence, where the media was accused of funding the violence. I think there was a further indictment when a radio media person was taken to the International Criminal Court. What was your, how did that hit you? What was your experience with that criticism and then the subsequent development? We always imagine that it's politicians who fuel violence. But uh, the fact that we had a radio journalist there, uh, that made us uh, to sit down and think on how um, our broadcast can be neutral in a way that will not fuel violence. Um, but if you look at it, that was one radio journalist out of so many radio journalists. So you didn't uh, want to brand uh, radio journalists or media personalities as uh, people who, are, who don't um, know the value of peace in Kenya. Um, the, it was followed by training. Training with uh, partners like Media Council of Kenya, UNDP, so many organizations. We, we had to sit down and see how uh, radio journalists can be trained. We had to go to even the correspondents in the ground and tell them this is now uh, where if you decide to go the uh, that journalist, uh, we don't want to mention his name, if you want to go that route, this is, uh, you'll take personal responsibility. That is something that uh, even now we are insisting when we have these trainings where we are teaching people that uh, or the practitioners that you will not hear of a radio station being sued. It is you as a journalist, it is you as a radio journalist who will face uh, those charges if it is a fine of um, 10 million, it is you as, a, as an individual who will have to uh, look for that money. And uh, these trainings have uh, given us fruits. If you look at um, 2022 elections, for instance, the events of August 15, uh, what was happening at the Bomas of Kenya, people would have imagined that Kisumu will burst. People would have imagined that uh, Kibera there will be violence. But look at what happened. We were calling our correspondents in, uh, in Kisumu. How is Kondele? Peaceful. How is Kibra? Peaceful. Guys are going on with their businesses as usual. It is as a result of uh, that kind of civic education, getting to people, telling them 
um, it's, it's not about fighting for the leaders. Let the leaders do do their bit. You do your bit. Vote. Go home. Wait for the results. And 2022 elections can be termed as one of the uh, most peaceful elections out of that kind of engagement that followed massive training from 2007 after seeing what our country was uh, turned into um, chaos, houses burned, people being killed. And the good thing is our reporters then, our correspondents then, were on the ground. They saw exactly what happened and that taught them so much. And maybe that's, I would say, moving forward, uh, I don't think we'll ever get to a situation where the country will get to 2007-2008 violence. Uh, Christine, uh, in charge of training and curriculum development, uh, what do you do for conflict reporting, for peace building? Radio, in a way, is very personal because the person who is on air speaks to an individual. They don't speak to a group of people. They speak to you, the listener who is my friend you know so so there's that personal attachment to radio for most of the listeners when we look back and the actions that were taken afterwards uh intensive training developing um uh, training content for those who are already in the media houses uh developing content to uh, feed and enrich what is being taught in the colleges and the universities that's what I do now. And uh, it has begun to bear fruit. At least the 2022 elections is an example. I think we also have an example from another previous election where um, we had an election and everybody sat back and waited for the results. Controversial as they will be. You see, no person who is contesting an election will ever say, yeah, that one, I won square, fair and square. So because uh, of the restraint of the journalists, um, checking on the language that is going out on their media houses, whether it is from people they interview who are uh, members of the community or they themselves. The kind of language that they use that can make a negative reference to another member of a community or a particular uh, political leader. When that has been weeded out or been suppressed, then you have clean content going out and saying everybody deserves a fair chance. Everybody can and uh, there will be a winner, there will be a loser. And so to take the results and actually um, interrogate it and say, all right, we have not won, uh, we'll try again next time. And so when, when the media now takes the message that way because they know the effect and how deep and the actions that uh, citizens can take when they hear messages that carry hate, messages that carry discrimination, uh, messages that carry um, uh, marginalization, uh, you know, or even label others as not good enough or people who are not worthy, uh, then it becomes, it becomes much better. And so the, the, the results that we had uh, in 2022. Um, and again, I think that apart from just the political scenario, there's also just other situations where there is conflict that the media is reporting on. There is conflict about resources. Uh, resources is issues like water, uh, pasture, uh, access to food, access to markets, and so on and so forth. So when we speak about um, journalists or people in radio or people in the media, taking charge of the message to ensure that they do not enhance the harm, 
that's what we are talking about. We are saying you can see uh, a conflict which is brewing. Yes, conflict makes news. But what are you saying about the conflict? What you're saying about the conflict, is it enhancing the conflict? Is it fueling uh, uh, emotions so that in the end there will be the climax of uh, confrontation? Or are you going to see the causes of the conflict coming and you begin to deal with how can this be resolved or diffused before it gets to that um, uh, point of uh, confrontation, uh, attacks and so on and so forth. Radio is the one that is educating. It is shaping opinions of young people, of um, people who are older, of uh, people who are senior citizens. And, and, and so society begins to coalesce together around common things good living living in peace you know being um, able to come up with a livelihood and to live comfortably in this new space that we're in the digital space do you believe that radio has the room to to fit in uh, this question is open to both of you because i know you're both in you're seeing how the space is evolving but do you believe that radio has the space in this new digital era definitely definitely um, if you look at the way uh, social media is consumed in Kenya, if you look at the way the space is opening up, um, radio is still being relied by our audiences for verified information. What we have uh, in social media is a free-for-all kind of a platform where you can post propaganda, you can post fake news, you can have parody accounts, you can have any amount of uh, uh, platform to uh, pass whatever message that will suit you. But um, if you look at the way radio now is, people will still go back to listen to radio to see whether is it true that this is happening? Is it true that this person has uh, shifted to this political party? Is it true that a certain number of people have died in a, an accident or whatever it is, radio will still be key. Not in two years or three years, 10 years or even 20 years to come, radio will still be the platform where audiences will come and uh, verify information. Um, I was looking at something today on, on uh, Facebook, for instance. This is a parody account for the former president, Uhuru Kenyatta, <laughs> um, saying, guys my security has been withdrawn um, i no longer feel safe and looking at that the comments it had like like uh, 17000 comments already but is it true where do you get the truth radio sells truth the currency that drives radio is a truth and the people who are um, running all those social media pages and stuff like that they're not trained journalists mm -hmm. so uh, the journalists who are trained and know uh, the kind of information that ought to get to the people, uh, you'll find them on TV or, or radio. So, what we are doing at Raw Media, for, uh, Raw Media Service, for instance, is to have our followers in different platforms, in different stations, um, in one page, uh, so that we have uh, 3.2 million, for instance, uh, followers on Citizen TV, around. 500 uh, followers on the radio citizen for instance all those stations if you combine them will give you like 12 million followers how is it that you can have 
uh, a common message. How, how is it that you can coalesce all these in one platform? First, for um, uh, commercial purposes, and number two, uh, to control the kind of content that these, that, that, that we have uh, on those pages. I'm happy you touched upon that because even me myself personally, I follow those social, like I follow the citizen social media pages because I'd want to verify. If I see the stories there, I know that it's true. Or I know that at least this is coming from a verifiable source. So maybe even you, Christine, what would be your opinion about the digital space and how radio can fit into it? I'm excited about the digital space and the fact that it is opening opportunity for um, innovation in uh, radio or radio broadcast, if you like, because um, traditional or legacy stations, the way the media has been uh, structured is now changing. It's changing in that uh, we now don't need necessarily a studio in a particular set location for us to do broadcast. On a day like today, uh, the digital space plus the modern equipment that is in use is now making it possible for me to even broadcast from my phone. And what that does is that um, it makes it easier to disseminate uh, information to much more people than the radius of the particular frequency signal. Um, and apart from that, then there is the question of uh, the interaction. Interactivity in uh, the dialogue that you mentioned um, and to hear different perspectives, not necessarily from the one community or the one locality where the station is uh, centered or not even from the same country. I mean, we could have um, somebody in a Radio Citizen broadcasting on radio, but because of the online platform, somebody is responding all the way from Ghana. Another one is responding from Australia. Uh, because they are able to consume that information. The, the, the thing is now we are opening the channels a little more and making it easier for people to share, to respond to the content that is uh, on a radio broadcast. But apart from that, we're also getting new ideas coming in uh, through, through radio. Uh, and that um, coalescing of uh, uniform messaging, verified content and information, you see, what is going to happen, and I can see this happening in the next maybe two decades or so, is that uh, uh, media social platforms will become very popular in that people will look at the rest of social media where they don't know the source of the information, they don't know who put that information there, but they'll always come back and fall back on a radio station's media platform, uh, social media platform because they know whatever goes there is verified. Whatever goes there is true. Whatever goes there is already fact-checked. Next thing that I am seeing is um, the question of uh, sharing of uh, cultures. Uh, when somebody puts out content there about their community and maybe they've been broadcasting in a vernacular language or a local language, and now they decide, okay, I'm going to translate this, our local language program, and put it in English, but put it on our podcast, or put it on, um, on the internet, on our social media uh, spaces. 
then others can get to learn something about that particular community, get to learn about the culture, the values of that particular community. And then, you know, people can now appreciate each other, uh, appreciate the diversity of um, people on earth. I'll say people on earth because we now can't talk about people in a particular country since, you know, the, the internet has just blown off all those boundaries. So for me, I think uh, the digital space is a very good development that has come. Uh, especially for the media and for the communities to see the opportunity that it presents for sharing, uh, building one another, uh, having a, a, a rich exchange, having a rich exchange, and especially on radio. In my media studies, we used to call that uh, fragmentation. From a media perspective, my, my concern becomes then, will the business model then have to change for, for media and second? Will they... Will there, will there still be community radio that is building bridges against uh, between uh, conflict-ridden communities? Will that, will that still happen? I think it will. Uh, you called it uh, fragmentation. Uh, on a day like today, we call it convergence. Uh, sometimes we even call it uh, disruption. Um, and, and it has a definition now. It's, it's, and it's not a negative definition. It's, you could even say it is innovation that what you are calling fragmentation is now we are innovating uh, different ways of sharing information um, indeed there will be communities uh, there will be stations that are focusing on uh, peace building uh, building bridges uh, because remember a radio signal does not end like a road this is where it ends it's it, the, the signal crosses over uh, to other communities the signal uh, also even the issues, they cross over and they, they sort of overlap uh, in different communities and in different places. And I know there will be those that will uh, focus on, uh, on peace. They may not even call it peace as such. Uh, they, may, they, may, they may call it something like uh, living together, you know, uh, sharing our land. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, the subject of climate change right now. And any community station or any radio station that is talking about uh, climate change is looking at it from how it affects an individual, a family, a community, and so on and so forth. And because of that, remember now this becomes a common issue, a common matter of concern. Uh, and because climate change is affecting livelihoods, it's affecting health, it's not exclusive to any particular individual. Therefore, if we're going to talk about uh, uh, bringing about peaceful coexistence, what does peaceful coexistence mean? Peaceful coexistence goes across um, that I can get services from another community, that I can get uh, food from another community, that I can negotiate with another community. And so if that line of dialogue is not existing. That means then there's a serious conflict. I cannot get served on the other side. So I'm seeing that uh, uh, radio stations are still running that um, peaceful coexistence agenda, but using the issues of public interest at the time. Issues of public interest right now are things to do with health things to do with uh, climate change, things to do with uh, livelihoods, 
Because if I grow or if I produce a certain product on this side and I'm unable to sell it, perhaps my market is in the next community, I cannot carry my goods and take them to the other community because we are in a conflict, I might get attacked. But now if you start to talk about uh, the issues and the things, the scenarios and uh, uh, the environment, uh, the situations where we have to really work together somehow, then people will begin to see that there is really no need for us to keep the conflict at, at the top such that um, we are not able to do trade, we are not able to exchange ideas, we are not able to seek services from uh, each other. So for me, I think it's uh, the, 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 the peace agenda is there, the building bridges is still there, the journalists might not even say it as we are now in a program where we want to build bridges between our community and the other community, but we want to just say this community grows this and is very good at growing that and it is able to sell here. And these guys have the other thing which now they bring to our side. I mean, you might find a community where they are very good masons. So they come to build houses in the community which grows food. So what happens? They buy the food from there and go back with it. So you see, the minute we begin to highlight some of those interdependencies, then uh, communities begin to see that, you know, in one way we are very different. We hold very different ideas, but we need to uh, go over that and, and uh, live together, share uh, resources that we have together. I, th I think there's, there's still uh, an agenda of, of that peace building that uh, building of bridges between communities. And from those points, it just sounds like moving forward in the future, we're going to have to expand the business model. Not necessarily it will change, but we, as you said, there could be a podcast dealing with health matters. That means like now a citizen, maybe they'll need to now expand the kind of tools that they use to target and reach different communities. Earlier, the Lincoln had mentioned, they, that the, the, they have programs that also target certain communities in terms of if there is some type of inter-conflict uh, happening. So maybe even from your experience, have you seen uh, particular activities or witnessed particular activities that are working in communities to actually still build peace? And just um, can give us some of your experiences from that. I know there are stations that have uh, segments, especially in Northern Kenya, uh, I'm thinking of uh, counties like Turkana, uh, where they have uh, quite a good number of uh, radio stations there. Some are run by the church, others are run by private individuals, so they are commercial stations. Uh, but they do have uh, specific segments where they talk about their community, the need for pasture, and how they can go to the neighboring countries uh, the neighboring uh, communities, the neighboring counties to seek uh, use of the pasture land that is available there. Now what those people do is uh, they host uh, elders. They call them kraal elders, elders of the animals uh, and, the, and, the, and the livestock uh, you know, people. Uh, they host them in the stations and they talk about the need for them to keep their animals alive. The need for them to find pasture for their livestock. And uh, when they have those discussions, they also bring in, uh, in the same city, they bring in uh, uh, as guests, uh, 
uh, people from uh, communities that do agriculture in the same county, which is one of the areas where livestock is likely to stray once there is no sufficient uh, uh, pasture in, 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 the, in the wild. And so they bring them together and they say, look, we know you have the, first, the farms in these areas. Now, how are we going to agree? And, you know, I, I have listened uh, two times to a discussion like that in uh, Radio Akicha and uh, Radio Akicha is in Turkana and also in uh, there's another station in uh, Masadit, I forget what it's called. Um, I have listened to a discussion like that where uh, representatives from the farming communities are sitting in the studio with representatives from the livestock keeping communities and they're having a discussion and they're telling them so between this month and this month there's still a little bit of pasture we are just about to harvest our crop so just keep the animals there for just like two three weeks we will harvest the crop and then they can now come in and take the remainder which now we've already harvested so they can come and pick up the bean pods they can come and pick up the maize stalks and they will actually allow them now one of the things that the farmers or the farming community realized is once the animals come in there is a value in them coming in value in them coming in because they leave droppings and the droppings is like manure for the farm so you see the minute you have that conversation you begin to see that there is a value in us allowing the livestock guys to bring in their animals but after we have harvested not before because then they say once we have the food remember you will now be able to access the food from us so there is that whole cycle uh, where they now agree and i tell myself you know the fact that they are even able to sit in one room and share ideas is good enough it's a good beginning because when they go back they go back and they pass the message now word for word others because they have heard their representative speaking then you know they soften their hearts and they're like oh okay so that's really how it ought to be and our leader was sitting next to the leader of the livestock community you see that already creates a good uh, environment it, it it creates that uh, camaraderie as we would say uh, between the people in the communities you know if my leader is sitting with the leader of the other community then who am i you know you say oh okay so he has set the example for us so that's how we're going to operate so yes that continues to be there there are good people out there they are there are good people out there and all they are lacking is uh, a platform where they can uh, have that kind of a conversation that she's talking about so if uh, media houses can target those non-government organization ngos and those individuals who are for peace give them a platform for free yeah. uh, it will make a huge huge impact down there uh, because at times you find them uh, media houses at times look at uh, the commercial aspect of it for an NGO to have some prime time. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you have to, to party some several thousands of shillings. But if media houses, if, if radio stations can work with such kind of people who are just there for peace, they're not there to make money or whatever it is, just have that peace message across. And also the other side now, um, blocking. Um, individuals and uh, politicians who uh, thrive on uh, conflict for them to have uh, uh, votes. Uh, at times people make deliberate uh, 
decisions, media house say this particular person will never, ever, ever get some airtime. And it, it works. You uh, look at a person, listen to the way they argue their issues, uh, get to understand why they are looking for airtime in your platform. If you uh, see some kind of uh, a violent man or some, someone who is uh, someone wants to thrive on conflict, then you block them. And yeah. that's it. You'll ne he'll never get uh, airtime from my station, goes to Byte FM, they're blocked, mm -hmm. goes to another station. No, 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 no. That's it. That's how maybe media houses can um, have that impact and have a, co uh, a coexisting uh, society. Uh, I think, yeah, that's a very important fact because it's important that we vet the kind of people that are on the, on the airwaves and also give now room for positive dialogue for those, those people, members and communities who want to need to get along or who need to live together. Because that's what it's all about, having a positive dialogue that leads to actual solutions for the future. Um, so now, lastly, as we now wrap up the podcast today, um, I want to just give everybody an opportunity maybe just to say one last thing maybe we didn't touch upon or you'd like to just leave with the audience. Okay, I'd say um, Radio for Peace is a very good theme for us to have for the World Radio Day 2023. And I would say um, radio is going to play a very big role as a driver for peace, as a driver for cohesion, as a driver for coexistence. Uh, when we say radio makes us equal, it, it truly does. Because the voice that you hear is the same voice that the policymakers will hear. It's the same voice that uh, the grassroots people will hear. And so, if we use radio as the driver for the message of peace, I think we're going to get really far. Uh, radio is uh, adaptable and radio can, uh, it, it, it fits everybody. Radio fits everyone across the globe. And so let's just uh, keep radio on the agenda as the driver for peace. The level of trust for radio journalists, the believability uh, that uh, our audiences have uh, in us. Um, let's take peace um, and preach peace. Let's talk more uh, to the people who are pro-peace in Kenya. Let's block more those people who uh, really want to uh, use conflict uh, to get their, for their own interest. And let's continue doing what we've always done. And uh, Kenya, and of course the, uh, the world, will be bigger and greater if we all play our part as radio journalists. And I wish my fellow radio presenters and radio DJs all the best as we mark this 2023 radio, uh, World Radio Day. I want to thank my guests for all being here. Christine Lincoln, Girashu is my co-host. I think we've had a very informative uh, conversation around the theme of radio and peace for this celebration of World Radio Day. So we have discussed an array of things, our community radio and its impact, the digital space, how the business model can change and move, and what the future holds for radio. So thank you for tuning in. I hope that we've been able to learn something and tell some stories that have, I feel are very transformative. And we'll hopefully stay tuned for next time on This is the Safaricom Newsroom Podcast. Mm -hmm.